welcome everybody to the Magic Beans podcast. We are back again for episode number 139. I'm your host tonight, and my name is Shorty, and I have a couple of beans on the line of me. Tonight we have Chewy. How's it going, mate? I'm good. Welcome back. How's your trip? Thank you. Yes, it was good and warm and, and very nice, but uh, glad to be back. I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit more, but we also have a Cracker. How's it going, Cracker? Good, thanks, buddy. Nice to have you back in the hosting chair. <laughs> you did a very good job of uh, hosting well, for the few weeks that I was gone, and uh, yeah, Chewy as well with the Chewy interview too, with Pat. Yeah. That was a that was a pretty cool episode, actually. Yeah, that I was good fun. It. That was that was good fun, and uh, Pat, Chris, and I uh, chatted until like one a.m. <laughs> just talking all <laughs> things magic and MTG finance. It's like should have been recording this, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I did notice. Like, I was yeah, I was in Bali for three weeks and. I, uh, you know, jumping on Discord whenever I could and, and I did notice, like, I, there's a two-hour time difference to, to Bali, two hours behind Melbourne time. So, I'm on Discord at, like, 11.30 at night in Bali and I'm like, oh, I can still see in the private channel there's there's Chewy and Pat and, and Polly Waffle. It's like, I'm pretty sure they finished recording quite a while ago. So, they're obviously still just having a good chat. So, yeah, might be good. might be a little bit of a bromance budding between Pat and <laughs> and Polly Waffle there. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to get Pat back to talk about uh, well, just magic in general, but definitely the the business and finance side of it. He is uh, obviously our resident expert. So yep. yeah, shout out Pat. Thanks for coming on onto the cast. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, uh, that's what he does for a living. So he knows a fair bit about. All of that stuff. Otherwise, he would have gone out of business a long time ago. So, five years he's uh, celebrating at the moment. Pat sells uh, yeah. magic cards for a living? Where would he we does. find those things? Oh, I don't know, Cracker. Why don't you tell everybody? Oh, jpmtgbazaar.com.au is his Facebook <laughs> so page. It was a great segue. Yeah. Uh, it, it, Pat sells cards, Facebook. They're auctions. They're lots and lots of individual lots go up every night. You can just throw bids on them. And there's also the... Buy it now auctions, but I quit calling them auctions. The buy it now posts or listings. Lots. Uh, they go buy up, it they, now lots. There you go. They go up the same time every night. So he's really consistent with that, which is awesome. That's one of the benefits of having a full-time auctioneer or a full-time lister in this case. And it's quick and the dead with those ones. The prices are always <laughs> super good. And particularly with the Australian dollar being kind of garbage at the moment, he still keeps the pricing pretty much one-to-one with what you pay in the States, which is Pretty fantastic considering if you're buying them from over there, you end up paying a premium. So definitely worth checking out if you're looking to pick up Cards of Modern or Commander or some of the sweet, sweet uh, high-end auctions that they run over the weekends. Definitely worth looking at. You can get all kinds of fun and goodies there. So JPM Producer, check them out. Shorty mentioned that uh, they hit hit their five-year anniversary and uh, Pat's got uh, a giveaway going. So head over to JPMTG Bazaar on Facebook or just go to that website. It'll direct you to the Facebook group and you'll find the post, uh, the pinned post on how you can uh, win some sweet, sweet prizes just by sharing your favorite Josh and Pat's memory uh, and, uh, you know, what you like about the, the page and, and such. So uh, I did enter. I, I put up a screenshot from my podcast app. So, uh, Pat, you've got my address to send the, the good stuff my way because that's clearly the, the winning post. But, uh, yeah, uh, giveaways uh, with, you know, most set releases as well. So it does a great job of giving back to the community. So we love you, Pat. Yep. And uh, one thing I mentioned on the stream on Monday this week is if you are looking for something specific or, or you know, specific lot of cards, which is what I found myself in this week, uh, you can just message Pat and say, hey, 
do you have these? Like, I'm, I'm looking for these cards. What, what have you got? Or can you keep an eye out for these cards for me? So I was looking to put together basically the deck I've been playing in Explorer in Pioneer for the potential Pioneer events we were looking at playing. So I, you know, sort of worked, it, worked out what I needed while I was in Bali and just flicked Pat a message with, hey, these are the cards I need. What have you got for me? And straight away within like half an hour, he came back to me and he's like, I've got this, 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 and this. Didn't have all of it. I said, oh, it's all right. I'm not, I'm not in a rush. You know, keep an eye out for what you've got over the next couple of weeks and then let me know. And then a week later, sends me another message. Yep, I've got this, this, and this now. So I got probably like three quarters of what I wanted. Gave me prices, all nice and cheap. Sent him the, the money. Within like five minutes, there's a picture of my cards in an envelope going straight into the mail. So just another service that uh, that Pat does offer because, uh, uh, yeah, with the amount of cardboard that goes through his hands or, or through the MTG Bazaar, there's a, a pretty high likelihood that he's going to be able to get you what you need. So hit him up and uh, grab some cards. So, yeah, three weeks I was gone. Uh, was a very nice holiday for, for those interested. It was very warm. Uh, I sent through a screenshot on... Uh, on Discord, and I think I put it out on Twitter, but the 10-day forecast was twenty, a low of 24, a high of 28, and uh, that's pretty hard to deal with. <laughs> Sounds terrible. Yes, yes. Poor what was terrible shorty. was the uh, getting on the plane at 28 or 29 degrees and getting off the plane at 8 degrees. <laughs> that was terrible. But, no, uh, terrible no, was, was staying in 8 degrees for three weeks, mate. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and then it was six degrees by the time I got home, so even better. But no, it was good. Good to have a break. Uh, you know, tried to actually. I actually played a lot of Magic in that time. Uh, whenever I could, you know, I had plenty of time just sort of sitting around the pool. So just pull the phone out and jam some games. Uh, so yeah, it was good. But uh, back into it now. Back to the real world and uh, back to my regular hosting duties on this podcast. So tonight. Uh, just a couple of things to talk about. One thing we'll just sort of mention a little bit is something that's happening tonight. So we're recording this Thursday night and uh, tonight, as in like 2 a.m. Melbourne time, there is a big Wizards announcement. So this is a Wizards and D&D uh, announcement, uh, sorry, a Magic and D&D announcement. It's called Wizards Presents and, and this is sort of their big yearly thing that they do where they tell us what's coming up. So we know, obviously, we've got Dominaria coming up. We know we've got Brothers War, but we don't know anything beyond that point. So this is where they tell us, hey, this is the next four sets you're going to get. You know, we're going to go to New Phyrexia and then we're going to go to, I don't know, Ravnica again or whatever it is that that we're going to do, as well as sort of kicking off some previews for Dominaria. Do you guys say Dominaria or Dominaria? Uh, Icoria, Icoria. Uh, so, I would Dominaria. Look, what, yeah. What are your guys' predictions uh, for the for the coming year? Uh, I've got one that might not be a surprise. It's just putting two and two together. But um, yeah, I'd well, love you to did, hear you, you guys. did a YouTube video with your predictions, didn't you? Uh, yeah, with the the whole apocalypse chime thing, and the you know, I, I think we've seen some art that looks very much like there's you know Phyrexians coming and things like that. So, well, you know, I. I don't think I've got it exactly right, but I think I was in the right ballpark. But yeah, I think I, here's here's my prediction: Dominaria Brothers War will happen also on Dominaria. And if you think back to Maro's article from the other week, how players, you know, the player feedback was, you know, they missed blocks. Uh, I I think we'll see a return 
to to blocks in the, in the coming years. So with you know by the end of this next year from the the, the year that they're forecasting in the announcement, uh, you know magic blocks two set blocks not three sets like we used to have back in the day, but I think two set blocks will become if not uh, every set, but it will be the norm like the midnight hunt and crimson vow. Uh, linked sets were essentially a, a block. Yep. We'll have, you know, uh, Dominaria, uh, Besiege or United, whatever it is, and Brothers War being a block. So we get consistent mechanics across them. And maybe that means we don't just have like stupid mid range piles, uh, battling it out in, uh, in standard. And we actually have a, um, you know, some synergy based decks being viable because there's the depth of the card pool. That's that's my big bold prediction, which is pretty simple when you just put <laughs> well, they, two and two together. Yeah. <laughs> they sort of said that they were that was their plan a couple of years when they got rid of the blocks, they said, Oh, you know, this is what we're gonna do. We're going to we want to have the option to stay on a plane for two or three sets in a row, but then do individual sets if we need. And then for the next like eighteen months they just did individual sets and it was like, oh, okay. And it wasn't until they did Innistrad that that was the first one where we got a block basically with with two sets, and now we've got Dominario with two sets. And yeah, I, I like that as well. I, I like that when it's connected. I would have liked another Kamigawa set that would have been really cool. But yeah, other than that, I've got no idea <laughs> what's going up. Maybe we go back to uh, to fairies and um, Lawen. That'd be quite cool. I think people would like to see that. What do you reckon, Cracker? I mean, we have to do like a full Phyrexian set, right? Well, it's it's leading that yeah, way. Like, we know we've got Praetors yeah. and we know we've got yeah. Tamiyo being completed and, and all that. Yeah, so it's it's like what is the, you know, the last time we saw this was the whole um, Bolus arc. It's like yeah, what's which was the actually fine really piece. cool. It was excellent. That, that whole storyline was really well weaved through a long time, actually. Like that was probably, what, five sets or six sets or something they did that. It was over a year that they kind of, weaved all that together but if you think about when we first got just random Vorinclex how long has that been around for yeah like quite that, a while. that was ages ago so it feels like the, you know they've obviously been working towards that so yeah I think I think we go back to like new Phyrexia or something like that and Khan gets his chance to fix it I don't quite know how he's going to fix it but that's that's my <laughs> prediction to un-Phyrexian Mirrodin is is what will happen after that, help. I don't know. I hope I hope we go to new planes again. I've enjoyed some of the new planes. Like I know that like Law would be sweet, and I think if they do that, they should do it for like a couple. But like I don't want to go back to Ravnica. I certainly don't want to go back to Innistrad. Like let's take a break from all the the reprints and let's like let's do some new things. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But uh, just on that last point, Cracker, the there's a certain time reveler which may be able to undo things if they're able to go back in time. That uh, Khan might have uh, a relationship. Khan can go back in time. Yeah, that's why he's silver because silver is the only thing that Khan the time reveler. Yeah, cost three mana. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) can't activate abilities of artifacts cast instance. Khan activate abilities. I like it. I like it. I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. So well, yeah, we uh, we. We're pretty sure, or we're 99% sure, we're getting a Khan of some sort. And we know that there's a Liliana Planeswalker from a tweet that came out today with a semi-previewed Liliana Planeswalker, as well as I think there's a Jaya that we've seen. And we've a seen few Art other. for Shielded. Yep, yep. We've seen, I don't know if you guys talked about it on the podcast, I can't remember, the land cards that were, the basic lands that were previewed for this set are 
insane looking. They're the stained glass window ones that just look, oh man, they're some of the best lands I've ever seen. They're, they're very, very nice. Um, but what we might see uh, is, you know, you're talking about Khan and, and Unphyrexian things. We may see Khan like sacrifice himself and lose his spark or something along those lines because they're, Maro's done his usual, what is it? Cryptic I can't remember what the term. clues yeah, cri- or whatever they cri- are. Cryptic clues. There you go. That's, that's a good phrase. I don't know if that's what it's actually called, but a bunch of clues of there's going to be a card that says this and there's going to be something that says this and whatever. And one of them is something along the lines of a popular planeswalker is getting a reprint. So it's a li- And the way it's worded is a little bit ambiguous. So who knows? But we'll, uh, we'll have to see. Hopefully we don't get Three Fairy getting reprinted again because I don't think anyone will like that. But, they said uh, popular, yeah. but not, not unpopular. Uh, <laughs> the other thing we're getting is Braids. We've seen her on the oh, okay. box art. Nice. So it'll be interesting to see what Braids does this time because a couple of interesting effects on the last couple of variants. So yeah. She's been both black and blue over yes. her history, hasn't she? Yeah. She has. Yeah. So maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll get a multicolor card. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Mm. All right. So, yeah, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Dominaria previews. I don't know if they kick off fully as of tomorrow, but the set releases in about three weeks, so we're probably going to see quite a lot of previews over the next uh, two weeks, and we'll be definitely talking about those, and we'll uh, keep you all up to date on that. And if there's anything else that comes out from this Wizards Presents thing, we'll, uh, we'll go through that as well. So the main thing we wanted to talk about tonight is modern, and why are we talking about this, Chewy? Because it's an awesome format, uh, but also uh, for those who follow the beans on Twitter at Magic Beanscast, uh, you would have seen that we were doing some testing uh, last weekend. We have got our uh, Super Series qualifier, which is our you know whatever the PTQ RCQ regional RCQ championship qualifier. Those things, yeah, we've got one that we're playing at Games Portal at Ringwood this coming Saturday, or a few of us are. I think Polywaffle, yourself, and and I will be there. Plus, hopefully, you know, a few people from the Beans community. We've been putting out the word. I know Jedi's Walker's coming, and I'm pretty sure Mason Edis is coming. Not sure who else. Might see Lyndon, perhaps, but yeah, you know, Tom D's a frequent uh a frequent face at that store so yeah we'll see some familiar peeps along the way so uh yeah we thought we'd talk about modern sort of what we'll you know what we'll be playing what we're expect to be seeing you know what you know what's good and doing yeah a little bit of a uh, an overview uh on all things modern which i'm pretty excited about i love modern <laughs> yeah i mean we we played like back when we first started this podcast we were modern was our format we played heaps of it and we were playing in basically ptqs and, and all that sort of stuff and playing it all the time like whenever we got together we were playing modern decks and, and whatever and then we got i, I think uh, like the the pandemic hit and we switched to just playing arena all the time so we we focused on standard and then modern just went bonkers with modern horizons one and then modern horizons two and now it's just it's a completely different format and we've got no idea what's going on <laughs> all, all over the place. Um, but, and, and I haven't, so I, I think we played modern, what, like three months ago or something. We went to games portal for like a Thursday night. And that's basically the only time I've played modern in the last three years, effectively. So, so quite the good interesting thing about that shorty is that you, because Lyris has been banned, you never have to f- remember to, uh, 
bring the rest out of your com- out of the companion. No, although so. I, the deck I'm playing does have a companion, so I'm going to remember that. <laughs> it doesn't have Dragon Rage Channeler, though, to forget the surveil. Yeah, it does surveils. It? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So okay, you, you guys all got together at Chris's place. So it was you two, Chris and Stu. Okay. So Cracker, what like what's going on in modern? Modern's as dumb as this feels to say, modern's pretty fair these days. It's okay. it's a lot of onboard stuff and it's a lot of creatures. Now, admittedly, the creatures are all stupid and busted and like uh, all have massive effects, but it's it's pretty fair. There's no like mono blue level mono blue living end blue living end is like is a thing and is a very good deck. It's it's certainly top of the you know meta game. Uh, but the other decks are like. I mean, it's called Money Pile, right? But it's, you know, like four-colour Yorion, Omnath decks. Is it Merktide? Like, Hammer Time is still around. Amulet Titan. Like, people are still just trying to mostly attack you to death rather than doing just stupid things. It's like Storm isn't really a factor anymore. You know, Ad Nauseam isn't kind of kicking around. I know that hasn't been for for a while, but it's... People are playing creatures and then ephemerating them and you know path to exiling two of your things or sorting i should say and then you know like there's there's definitely some nonsense going on but it's it's kind of a fairer format than i think it has been historically yeah Yeah, there's no like busted combo deck there is a combo deck that yeah i'm I'm happy to talk about as a sort of a tier two deck after we cover off the sort of the the big heavy hitters but uh i through the week just did a little bit of research uh and found some uh, you know, five O decks and uh, the the top eight of a you know a preliminary MTGO event and things like that. So, and there's definitely some consistency, but it's still modern in that the you know it's not a three deck format like we see with uh like we see with standard. And it's not a five six deck f- format like we see with Explorer. Like there are literally twenty decks that could you know, on their day, take down a tournament. And it's a uh, a really, really unique and, and amazing thing about modern. Uh, well, not unique to the formats that are played and supported. Like you could say the same about Legacy, but, you know, it's Legacy. No one plays it. But uh, it's a, uh, you know, you can, you can have your pet deck and know it really, really well and, and rock up and just crush an event. Uh, or you can pick up something that is obviously good, like the decks that, that Cracker just mentioned and, you know, get a few reps in and then, and then pilot them really well and, and, and take down the event. And, it, you know, either of those things can, can happen on any given day. And, and that's exciting. You know, you, it's a little bit of the wild west and we're going to Ringwood, which is a, you know, historically really diverse uh, meta. Like we, you know, like Shorty was saying, pre pandemic, we played a lot of modern and, you know, we would go to our, you know, Tuesday night or Thursday night, whenever it was. And we could have 22 people in the room with 22 different archetypes. So, uh, you know, it's it's exciting. And you go, well, what's good against the field? And, uh, you know, if you're playing a pet deck, how do you how do you tune it to, you know, the top decks so you've got more agency against those? So I absolutely love that as far as a, you know, an, uh, a format goes. It, it's healthy. It's fair. Everyone gets to do their thing, and it's a uh, it's really really fun. It's also powerful, right? So it's, it feels like it's in a good space. Yeah, from what I 
been hearing about modern. Obviously, I you know continue listening to podcasts and so I hear a lot about modern. Modern used to be very much like sort of combo centric and and two ships passing in the night in in a lot of circumstances. There there was not much in the way of interaction. It was just my deck's going to do my thing. If you don't stop me, I'm going to win. Or it's whoever just does their thing the quickest wins the game. And then with Modern Horizons 1 and then particularly with Modern Horizons 2, we got a ton of free interactive spells. So you got, you know, cards like Force of Negation and then you got all the elementals, which are free spells and they're all interactive spells and they are just hugely played. I was talking to Chris on um, Sunday and he was saying when he was putting the decks together, I can't remember which which one it was, if it was Solitude or... Endurance, he said, like in the decks that he put together, he had to find, and this is Chris, had to find 20 copies of Endurance to put in his decks. And, of course, none of them are proxies. He's just, you know, looking through the collection and finding 20 Endurances. But the the elementals are just everywhere. And and so because of that, there's just stacks of interaction because it's it's free. And so that leads to longer, yeah, more, not not necessarily mid-range, but more interactive games where you can't just do your thing and hope your opponent doesn't interact with you because they've got free spells that can interrupt what you're doing. So they can continue doing their thing and interact with you and make the game, like draw the game out, that sort of thing. So that that is what sort of made modern different. The downside to that is that if you had an old modern deck from two years ago, it's basically not playable anymore. There's, you know, huge changes and you, you need to spend a bunch of money on Modern Horizons 2 cards particularly to keep up with the metagame. So uh, that's where having someone like Chris is, is handy. Disagree. <laughs> so I I have Living End. That was my deck. Uh, yep. I'm looking at the current Living End lists. Uh, Violent Outburst and Living End. <laughs> they the are the cards, cards that are the same. same. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. don't. I don't uh, no, I wasn't even running forest <laughs> in my list. Like it's just, yeah. it's literally yeah, there, nothing. There are some decks, so shorty that yeah, there's a couple can, that have that have yeah, yeah like, like Tron and, and stuff like that. Are just yeah, Tron and, and, and Amulet Titan and and things but like that. Even burns. Well, Amulet Titans picked up things like um, Besaju and like there's all sorts. Oh, of absolutely. Stuff. Like yeah, and like there's nothing Burns wrong with updating a deck as yeah you can pick up a deck and you can you can update it with modern horizons cards but a deck doesn't become unplayable uh necessarily and the the thing is you could still play a a, a deck from from 2 years ago i don't know like you could rock up with hardened scales right the modern version of the plus one counters deck and on any given event you could still win that event like the deck is still good and if you're just doing something that's powerful enough, you can still do it. And that's the beauty of modern. And that was that was kind of my point. It's it's not if you're not playing the elementals, you're you can't win. That's not an accurate reflection of modern at all. Like you you have to be aware of the elementals and you have to have, you know, a game plan and you have to have a game plan against Living End and Merktide Regent, but it's not play them or bust. And you've only got to look at the metagame breakdown. And this is something that we've seen in modern for as long as I can remember. The most played deck is only 15% of the metagame. The next deck, 15%, 6%, 6%, 5%, 4%. Like there's, it's so diverse and so wide open that you just don't know what you're going to play. And you will see people that have their pet decks and they'll rock up and 
they will have their moments where they do really well. So you can't just go, I'm only going to worry about this Murktide region deck. All I care about is beating Murktide. You might not actually play it in your whole tournament because it's only 10% of the field. So it's a you have to have something that's just generally good and generally powerful and you can make considerations for certain cards, but it's not it's not like you have to play this or you you don't stand a chance. I, I think that's a that's unfair on the modern tournament, an unfair statement on the modern environment. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. End rant. <laughs> it is very diverse. And, uh, yeah, you will you will see a, a very wide array of decks, which is always how modern has been because it's just such a huge card pool. Uh, and cost but, as well yeah. is the other thing yeah. as well. Like, you're looking at these decks that are like 1200 $1,900, $1,000, like yeah. even burn like burn is a cheap deck it's 500 bucks right like us us yeah. exactly it's like so the cost of change is really high so that's why you'll see people who you know there's always people who are heavily invested and will make the change and, and do what they need to to play the best deck for them and what they think is the best deck but yeah so that's why you do end up with just like everything which is cool yep yeah, and fetch lands have um, bottomed out in price as well, so it's a great time to buy into modern. It's yep. a uh, yeah, get it, get into it. Even noble hierarch isn't you know ridiculous. Goifs are like fifteen bucks, so you know you can uh, you can definitely get <laughs> into modern. You can't now. play them. Nobody's <laughs> playing them. They don't even get played in Jund anymore, which was like <laughs> that's where you played Goif. That's right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so let's uh, let's have a look at some of the top decks that are the higher percentage you know sort of your four and five percent up decks so they're, they're the ones you're more likely to see and they they are they do perform very well they would be you know what you would probably consider the the tier one of of modern and it's likely you're going to play at least one of these decks you, you may not play one and one of each of these decks but you're probably going to play at least one of these decks through the case uh, through the course of a six round tournament sort of thing so uh, Chewy, do you want to kick us off with one of these top ones, and then we'll, we'll sort of go through some of the top ones, and then we'll have a look at some of the uh, the lower tier ones that, that we may we're either yeah. interested in or we might see. So I, I I won't start with the highest the highest represented deck because I didn't pilot that one in our little testing session. Uh, I'll yep. leave that I'll leave Merktide to Cracker, but uh, a deck that I did uh, play a few games with was the four color Omnath. You know the money pile, and this has basically all the elementals uh, minus grief that uh, that you were alluding to. So it's a Urian deck. So, you know, it's big. <laughs> Be ready to shuffle. Uh, so it plays uh, Endurance, Ice Fang, Quaddle, uh, Eternal Witness, four copies of uh, Omnath. It's got Fury, Solitude. Uh, it's got Tef- uh, Teferi Time Reveler, Cracker, uh, Ren and Six, uh, and it's got a really sweet spell package that uh, I, yeah, I'm I'm excited by this. Some great removal and um, card draw options. Ephemerate, Lightning Bolt, March of Otherworldly Light, Prismatic Ending, which is really really powerful. Old school pa- counter spell, uh, a Ladamri's Call, Expressive Iteration. It's got you know, Dress Down, Abundant Growth, Buckets of Lands. Uh, so this deck is uh, there's a uh, a risen reef version as well, which is which is super popular, cashing in on all of the elementals that you're playing. Uh, which uh, I like that 
version because I'm just a big fan of Risen Reef, I think. But it's a, you know, Urian, you know, there's a lot of come in, comes into play abilities. There's all of the elementals, including Omnath and Ice Vanquadal, uh, and you've got your Ephemerates as well. And you're just getting so much value. Like all of your cards do multiple things. And like the fail case on your cards are came in, had a positive effect on a on the battlefield and also have a body. And, you know, that body can then be reusable either by, um, you know, ephemerating it or bringing it back with Eternal Witness and or blinking it with, uh, with your companion. And you just completely over... Uh, snowball over all of the other decks. So this is the biggest mid-range deck. So any other mid-range decks or aggressive decks just have a really, really hard time against this. Uh, some some of the aggro decks can get under it, but uh, you know they've got things in the uh, in the sideboard like Chalice of the Void uh, to you know really stop um, you know people being able to burn you out and, and things like that. So. Uh, this deck is super, super powerful. There's a lot, a lot of decision points. I, I don't think this is a deck you could just pick up the night before. This isn't a register at 1am having never played it before deck, Shorty. No. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think this deck is really powerful. But if you're also practiced with this deck and you've, you've got the reps I, I, and you can afford it, <laughs> uh, I think you could do some, do some real damage in... Uh, in any tournament that you uh, decide to take it. And it's, you know, it is, you know, one of the best decks and it's one of the top two played decks for a reason. It's it's really, really powerful. Um, you don't want to see a Blood Moon, I guess. That might no. hurt. No. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, this deck's great. Uh, I think it's, um, I think it's really powerful. I'd, uh, I'd be exhausted after yeah. six rounds plus top eight with this deck, but, uh, yeah, I think yeah, the mirrors I, are, are horrible. And, and every tournament report I've heard of modern tournaments is anytime there's a four-color mirror, it's just people get, getting draws. They're, yeah, they're, they're very long games, very complicated, a million decisions. They don't win quickly. And when it's a mirror, it's just horrible. So I believe this is what uh, Jedi's Walker is playing. So I don't know. I haven't seen his list and I don't know exactly what he's playing, but I did see that he was putting together a bunch of really expensive cards. So we'll uh, we'll see what he comes with. But yeah, this this is a very, very strong deck and I am not interested in playing it at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm not interested in piling it and I'm not really interested in playing against it either. Like no. It looks like a horrible matchup <laughs> yeah, for my deck. So hoping to dodge this one and you have to yeah. do that a little bit. Um, so from the second best or the second most popular deck, Cracker, Tell us about uh, something that's pr- you know well and truly in your wheelhouse. Yeah, what Merktide? Is it Merktide? This this deck is kind of nutty. Like I remember reading Merktide Regent for the first time when it got previewed, and I just misread it. And I thought it was just like delve to get like a three three flyer, but then <laughs> it's. <laughs> It, it, it's sort of yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. Except then it gets a bunch of plus one, plus one counters. And yeah, uh, continues it, to get them. It just gets massive. So it's a two-mana 10-10, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it certainly comes down as a two-mana 8-8 eight, eight a lot, uh, yeah. which is pretty stupid. Uh, so this deck just... You talk about card advantage. Oh, my goodness. The, the triggers in this 
do my head in. So <laughs> I've I've been goldfishing this at home as well. I've I, I proxied it up a little while ago and I've just had it on my desk and like some of the turns are just insane. So you'll play like Dragon Rage Channeler and Ragavan. You just I always assume that Ragavan's just insta dead because it's too complicated to try and goldfish that otherwise. But um Dragon Rage Channeler plus Mishra's Bauble is like you play it and then you play a bauble and you surveil and then if you happen to have a ledger shredder in play as well and if you're casting consider you've got the triggers just go nuts the amount of cards you can just dump into your graveyard so you think oh five mana for a delve is really hard to do no 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 you can do it on turn two like it's just actually trivial to to get that many cards into your graveyard it's it's insane and then you're just playing like a protect the queen kind of game plan. So, you know, you've got lightning bolt, spell pierce, spell snare, uh, counter spell. You get to play iteration. Man, I love iteration. That is like it's right so up on the good. top of my list of favorite cards ever. Uh, and then Archmage's Charm as well, which again, super versatile. Just kind of lets you do anything. Draws your cards, counter spells. You can steal things if you ever need to do that. So there's just a lot of different things that you can do with this and... Yeah, things just get big and you just control the board. You, you play a couple of threats. Your Dragon Rages become 3-3s three really quickly. Ragavan is the thing that you have to kill on sight or it just runs away with just value. So a couple of really good one drops and then, yeah, you just kind of get to sit back and, and kind of react to what your opponent's doing after you you put the pressure onto them. And it's uh, that's the sort of thing I like to do. That's, that's a lot of fun for me. Unholy Heat is just phenomenal like it, it's yeah. very easy to be turning the delirium on and yeah just being added one mana six damage to a creature or planeswalker is nuts and yeah help helps you to control the board to allow you to keep getting through with your creatures and like you said you, you're almost always casting your merc tiger region as an eight eight and it's just so hard to deal with once well, it's, if on it's the not, board if and the you can first one's it. not then the second one exiles more things and that's the other thing if you haven't read merc tide carefully it's whenever a instant or sorcery leaves your graveyard, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. So the first one might come down as like a, you know, a five, five or something terrible, <laughs> right? Because you've got to exile a couple of lands, yeah. but then you just churn out a bunch of more spells. You find your second one, you exile that, it comes down as an eight, eight, and then it puts counters on your other one as well. So then you get to attack with like a giant thing. It's just, it, it's, it's insane. And Ledger Shredder is just like the glue for this deck in a lot of ways. It becomes a, a big threat really quickly. You know, you, you never play it, so you can't trigger the, um, I've gone blank on what it's called. Yes, thank you. Can I have the first turn? Because you've just got so many ways of doing it. Like so many cheap spells, you know, considers and, and baubles and things like that. It's really easy to set it up on a, a turn so you can double spell and, and get value. And then it's got, you know, four toughness. So it's out of bolt range and it just gets, yeah, it's really good. It's even if that 19 if lands, that- which is nuts. Yeah, but you see so much of the deck. Yeah. yeah. You're just you so you fast. You don't need many. You only need No, like you three. really don't. Like, <laughs> yeah, good. no, absolutely. The velocity is just is nuts. Just needs brainstorm. <laughs> <laughs> or face saluting. Yeah, I guess you'd play. Maybe not. I don't know that you actually want that much card disadvantage. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you can don't need to see more. Cast it from your graveyard anyway. to that it gets exiled. That's, so that's you, true. That's true. <laughs> put a counter on your Merktide region. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good point. Good. All right. Yeah. You just replace like Ragavan with uh, bin chickens at that point, right? If you were, if you could play. If you could, yeah. And you <laughs> no, because Ragavan's the- making you mana and drawing your cards. Yeah. Yeah, Ragavan's just nuts. 
Yeah, I it's guess. not. It's not till you play with a ragavan that you really go, oh, okay, yeah. Like you like, read it I, and it's like, yeah, this is powerful, but it doesn't quite all sink in just how much it does. Yeah, it's, until you. It does play do it. a lot. It does do a lot, Agreed. but like, I mean, uh, uh, there are many, many things in modern that outclass a one minute two one. Like yeah, as but good as you I, play I'm it on saying, turn one, and then like every time I did that against Chris the other night, he's just like. Ugh. <laughs> Like it, it is, <laughs> it is groan inducing. Like it's, yeah. You don't need it to hit many times because it's not about, it's not burn. Like you're not trying to push damage with it. You're just gaining that advantage. You're either stealing a card or exiling something useful from them, and then like it's treasures. It's just kind of they have to put something in front of it every time. And who cares if it dies? Like you just keep going. Then it's a creature in your graveyard to make your, you know, DRCs fly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I guess I, I played it. Uh, you know, when it was played against it uh, a fair bit and. Like it's a good card. I'm not saying it's trash and overrated or anything like that. But uh, perhaps you know the decks that I've been playing, you know, care less about being hit by Ragavan than than some other decks. Perhaps I, I'm not sure. But I'm like, oh, that's a good card. It's a threat I need to deal with. But it's not like you know game breaking. It's good. It's very good. And I would absolutely play it in any deck that had red mana. But you know, I, I don't think it's a a. Uh, it, it's not backbreaking. It's a it's it improves the power of any deck, but it's not like you know a haymaker like a you know an eight eight Merktide or anything like that. You know, so but it gets you there. I understand that. Uh, you know, makes makes treasures and uh, the you know we saw with um, robber of the rich that you know t- taking good cards off the top is definitely an effect. Uh, you know, has an effect on the game where, you know, when, when Robber was first previewed and first, you know, in standard for some time, you know, like months when people didn't play it uh, because they were like, oh, you never hit anything good and all the rest of it. And then people realized that you actually did. Uh, and, you know, Ragavan's just the cheaper, better version because it makes mana at the same time. So I fully appreciate the power of it. Just, I don't know, there are other cards in this deck that scare me more than Ragavan. So yep. like expressive iteration. <laughs> so yeah <laughs> yeah so, nah, very very powerful deck very strong and yeah you you will almost definitely you'll definitely see some of them at the tournament uh you may not play against it just because of the the way the tournament's going to work but you you need to be prepared for that deck and yeah having answers for those cheap creatures is is definitely where you sort of want to be so uh, the deck I'm going to talk about is a, a favourite of mine, although I don't, I've never actually played this in modern. I've played against it a bunch of times, but I've, I haven't played it myself, but it's right in my wheelhouse, which is Burn. So Burn has been around forever in modern. There's just a bunch of cheap creatures that are very good, and then a whole bunch of Burn spells. So Goblin Guide, Monastery Swift Spear, and Eidolon of the Great Rebel. Eidolon is one of those weird ones where... If you're a newer Magic player, you read this card and go, "Hang on, what? It deals damage to me as well." So it's if you if you don't know what it is, it's red red for a two two. It's enchantment creature spirit. Whenever a player casts a spell with mana value three or less, uh, it deals two damage to that player. So it's symmetric. That's the symmetrical. Word, I think. Yep, symmetrical. Yep. So it it goes against both players. And you look at this deck list, and it's like literally all of my spells are three mana or less. So why do I want to? cast this card and then just be constantly dealing damage to myself but it's crazy how much 
it affects your opponent. And if you know, if you sort of go through the list that we're talking about, even even the one we just spoke about, then they have so many cards that are mana value three or less. Modern is all about mana efficiency, and so just even if you get one attack out of an Eidolon and two triggers out of it. That's six damage, which is a lot for, for a burn for deck. Two mana. Yeah. yeah, a burn deck that is just trying to get you dead really quick. So, yeah, definitely adds up. It, it's certainly a powerhouse, and it, it's a card that will always be in these burn decks. And then, yeah, your spells are just all burn spells. So four Lava Spike, four Lightning Bolt, four Boris Charm, two Lightning Helix, four Searing Blaze, two Skullcrack, four Rift Bolt, four Skewer the Critics. So almost all of them deal three damage to your opponent. Uh, Boris Charm deals four, and Searing Blaze sometimes, it doesn't always deal three, but uh, sometimes it can. And yeah, you just, in modern, you're sort of relying on the fact that most of your opponents start on effectively 15 life, like 15 or 16 life between... Cracking some fetches and shocking lands in, most of your opponents start on 15 or 16 life. And so you're just trying to cobble together 15 or 16 points of damage within the first, ideally, three turns, which which this deck absolutely can do. And just get them dead really quick, which is exactly what I like to do. So uh, it's a fun deck, but it's one of those decks where it's like, yep, you have those games and it's your opponent just couldn't do anything. You you just You've got the nuts doesn't matter what they're trying to do on the other side of the field, you just got them dead. But then you come up against a deck that has a couple of answers and they stall out and they take the game to turn five or six and all of a sudden you're sitting there with an Eidolon on the field or a Swift Spear that can't attack and you've got one card in hand. You have no card advantage <laughs> in, this, in this deck other than the four Sunbaked Canyons, which are the... Uh, horizon canopy lands so you can you can draw a card off of your land which is nice but that's it there's no card advantage in there at all so get them dead or yeah you you die so it's kind of a good deck to take if you're unsure about you know what to play in modern because it it, it is pretty linear and it's pretty straightforward Uh, you know you you do there is a bit of play to it in knowing when to cast your spells um you know when to use your spells to kill blockers uh different things along those lines but uh yeah generally it's pretty straightforward to play so if you're unsure what to play it's also fairly cheap in in modern terms as cracker said before around the 500 us but um yeah always a good deck always will be i don't think there's really ever been a time where burn is not a a viable deck in modern so yeah this is the sort of deck Burn, burn, or you know any sort of like the red aggressive strategies, uh, decks that you just have to be prepared for, right? So if you if you go, I really love this modern deck that, and you know it's my favorite thing ever, but I auto lose to burn, then you know you need to you know go back to the drawing board a little bit and, and come up with some sort of a plan because uh, it it will get you, and you know especially if it's on the play and. The you know the point you made about Eidolon and you know newer players. If you think about the Merktide deck, you know they're they're playing uh, one and two meta mana spells to either put a creature onto the battlefield that doesn't have haste, or to draw cards effectively. Uh, or you know there's some removal there as well. So if you play an Eidolon and you know your opponent goes, oh that's out of here. I'm going to lightning bolt it they've taken damage you've you've exchanged your card one for one but you've come out ahead with 
with damage. And then if they just go, oh, I'm just going to play my ledger shredder, uh, then you know that uh, that deals damage to them as well. So even though you're you haven't attacked with your uh, your Eidolon and potentially you can't attack because the ledger shredder's got four toughness now, it's still doing damage, pushing through damage without having to be turned sideways. So that's some sort of reach that red decks, you know, historically have never had. So that's why it's so powerful. It's definitely something you need to respect. So yeah, it's a uh it's a, a really uh a really powerful thing that you need to need to take care of. Um crack up living end. You're living the end. most <clears throat> you're the most qualified person to talk about it here. I mean it's it's fundamentally doing the same thing. It's just better. <laughs> Right, it's just it's just better now. Uh, you're just cycling a bunch of creatures into the graveyard. Is is the game plan, and then you cast a cascade spell, either Shardless Agent or Violent Outburst, which hits Living End. It's the only spell in the deck that you can hit, and then your opponent sacrifices all their creatures, and you get to bring all the ones in your graveyard back. Uh, you you know, Violent Outburst lets you do it at instant speed. So you can do it in someone's end step and untap, and they've got no board, and you just attack for a whole stack. The the main thing that's different about, well, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of things, but the main things that are different about this to the version that I was playing years ago, this was the, the first deck that, you know, I, I built in modern. This was my modern deck and I was, I was goldfishing it the other day because I loved it and I kept a seven shorty and it had a living end in it and but six good cards. And I went, okay, this is fine. I can keep living in six cards. You know, if this was a mulligan, this is a great hand. Take my draw step, living it. <laughs> like, I see where this is going, Cracker. It's just like, oh no, like I still got it. This is the thing that I used to do a bit. So that is the downside. <laughs> living end is a, a stupid suspend thing. But um the the main upgrades to this deck, force of negation, grief. They let you protect your combo. That was a thing that you just couldn't really do effectively. I used to play cards like Ricochet Trap. <laughs> which is like a, which is a five mana, four or five mana red instant that like counters target spell that targets a spell or permanent you control or something insane like that. And if it's blue, it costs red. Like you had to resort to just nonsense to try and meet the requirement of just not cascading into things you didn't want to. So everything had to cost more than three. But yeah, now grief, you just, you know, strip their hand of Teferi's because you just absolutely cold to Teferi with this deck <laughs> yes uh you can't cast you can't cast the the effectively sorcery at instant you can't cast instant speed so uh and then yeah just force of negation just letting you you know protect what you need to is is pretty nuts and look the the cycling threats are really good you know uh struck river reminder is a five five with hex proof that's a, a pretty great beater uh and then you know like waker of waves lets you do a bunch of stuff so it's just really solid and even the, you know, the plan B, uh, which has always been living in plan B, which is just to cast your stuff. Yep. Uh, you know, curator of mysteries, four mana, four, four flyer. Like that, that's capable of winning games, right? Grief is a three, two with menace. Uh, Architects of will, four mana, three, three. Okay. Brazen borrower flies. So you can actually, you know, win, you know, through, through hate. Cause what, you know, a lot of people tend to do is they'll keep a hand that's got, you know, a uh, a relic progenitus or a ley line or, or whatever it might be, but the rest of their hand might be just hot garbage. So, and, and then you might, you know, stop their game plan with your griefs and force of negation. And then it's just like, okay, I'm going to cast my 
curate my four four flyer and uh, protect it with my my forces. And then what are they going to do? Kill my creatures? Oh no! Yeah, exactly right. So uh, it 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 has even though the you know you don't have the the same you know the jund cards that you had previously, they still do a great job. And even you know with the evasiveness, sometimes a better job uh, of of that you know mid range just going to play a fatty and attack you with it. So that still exists as well. So even though it's been upgraded in its uh, you know, combo ability, you know, shardless agent, uh, and things, you know, not needing a target, the, uh, the rest and, you know, the sky turtle has a, the channel abilities are useful and things, but it hasn't lot, it hasn't lost that, you know, backup plan, uh, by adding that stuff in that's actually in some ways complemented it. So, uh, I, I like this deck a lot. It's super powerful. Uh, make sure you got some graveyard hate in your uh, in your sideboard. Yep. Um, just to sort of mention quickly a, a few of the other main decks that you're likely to see um, before we talk about what we're actually playing. Um, the Hammer Time decks, which have been kicking around for quite a while, Stoneforge Mystic, Pure Steel Paladin, that sort of thing, going and finding Colossus Hammers, which gives your creatures plus 10, plus 10. So you're either equipping up things like Ornithopters, to just bash the face or putting them on your Ink Moth Nexus so they have Infect and it uh, yeah, gets plus 10, plus 10. So you're uh, smashing them in the face and killing them in one go. Um, Sigarda's Aid uh, and uh, Pure Steel Pure Paladin Steel allow Paladin. you to equip for free. Stoneforge lets you equip at instant speed. Sigarda's Aid lets you cast your equipment with Flash so you can do things where you like attack with your Ink Moth Nexus that's got flying and then after blockers are declared, you can flash in your Colossus Hammer and uh, and equip it for free. So, yeah, it's a combo-centric deck and is very, very powerful. You played it once, Cracker, I think, at Ringwood. I did, yeah. yeah. That was when yep. Lurus was still around. But, yeah, deck is nutty. You can get some some really – it's probably just the straight fastest deck in modern, I think. Yep. I was playing it against Stu uh, on the other weekend and he went uh, – Turn one, Ornithopter, Sigarda's Aid. Uh, turn two, um, Pure Steel Paladin, Hammer, and Pure Steel Paladin. Yeah, like it was like a turn three attack for like 12 or something ridiculous. Like it's so fast. So yeah, it can do some very dumb stuff. So yeah, make sure you can. Yeah, you can attack for the that. 20 on turn two. Yeah. 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 With yeah, two hammers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Uh, Amulet Titan's a deck that's been around for a very long time. It's it's sort of changed a little bit over the years, but effectively you're trying to ramp very quickly with your Amulet of Vigors that allow you to play tapped lands and untap them and get extra mana and that sort of stuff. So you're trying to hit a Primeval Titan really quickly, and then you can do a bunch of nutty stuff once you've got Amulets and, and Prime Times where you, you, know, you end up generating a ton of mana and you get more prime times with your summoners packs and then you can give them haste and attack and get more lands um, you know you've, you've got an alternate win condition with valakits and, and things like that so it's a complicated and confusing deck to play and, and not a deck again like we were sort of talking about before with the four color decks not a deck that you just pick up and go yeah I'm just going to play this one tomorrow because there's a lot of confusing lines and knowing when to go off and what you can go off with and how much mana you can actually generate and things like that. So Yeah, definitely rewards practice. Yep. Uh, there's a Yorgmoth deck that's a bit of a combo. I don't 
fully understand the Yorgmoth combo, but it's something to do with So you need two persist creatures, creatures and-, and then you need a blood artist in play and you sacrifice a persist creature to Yorgmoth and then it puts a minus one, minus counter, it comes back, you remove the plus one, plus one counter with a minus one, minus one, and then you sacrifice and you loop and then you drain your opponent out with blood artist triggers. Yeah, it's undying creatures because they're the ones that when they come back, they come back with a plus one, plus one counter on it. Persist oh, yeah, sorry, not op- persist. Persist yes, that's one. Yeah, it's like Young yep. Wolf and, and those kinds of things. And, yeah, Stranger Root Geist. Yep. So, yeah, that's a, a bit of a combo deck that does use the graveyard. So, yeah, sort of need to be aware of that. Death Shadow has been around for quite a while. It's a deck that I played. This is what I played the, the last time we played Modern and missed a, a million triggers. It's it's similar to Murktide, but... Yeah, you're doing this the old Death Shadows things where you're taking your life down and uh, playing your Death Shadows. So, um, yeah, interesting deck. Sometimes it's super powerful, sometimes uh, not so much. Uh, what other decks do we think people are likely to see from the meta before we pick a couple of random decks or uh, talk about what we want to or what we're going to play? Uh, I, I think you'd see some affinity. You know, it's a, a again a, a relatively cheap deck to build, and you know you can just put cranial plating on an ornithopter and, and attack people and and that is definitely something that uh is is quite quite powerful this was the sort of the second deck that i thought about running so uh you know you've got eight mirror enforcers now in sojourner's companions so you know f- you know very cheap or even free uh four fours uh you've got thought monitors which you know thought cast with a, a flying body uh chalice of the void and metallic rebuke uh then there's you know just your usual suspects like your your cranial platings and and such and yeah so a bit of a um you know not the arcbound ravager type affinity things but uh strangely and something we're not used to in modern an affinity list that actually has cards that say affinity for for artifacts so uh you know i think this is a, the sort of deck that you would see uh, in some numbers uh, running around as well so be prepared for it yep what else do we think would people are likely to see uh so Rakdos midrange has been doing well recently as well uh it's leveraging fable of the mirror breaker surprise surprise and then ragavan <laughs> griefs furies again pitch elementals they're just everywhere croxes season pyromancers for some card advantage and then like black red just gets a lot of really good uh removal spells so like terminate lightning bolt colligan's command and the other thing you can do is with um you can do undying malice so you can like cast a it's like ephemerate except in black and it enters the it it, so when you sacrifice it so you can't you evoke like a grief you you know take a card of the hand and then with the sacrifice trigger on the stack you cast undying malice because it's an instant and it, it says until end of turn target creature gains when this creature dies, return it to the owner's battlefield under its owner's control with a plus one, plus one counter on it. It's actually so, got redundancy there as well with Malakir Rebirth doing yeah. effectively the same thing. So it does. Seven copies is, seems yeah, to be the norm. Which, yeah, which is kind of nuts because then you get to like, you know, you grieve someone, which is what thought sees. So you get to steal a card out of their hand for zero mana and then you cast one of these things for one mana and steal the other card and then you put a 3-2 mana and play on turn one and they're down two cards. <laughs> So, I mean, you are as well. Like, let's not be, you know, it is not card advantage, but it's... You it's do it. You've taken the two minutes. best cards and <laughs> That's have, true. A, yeah, you've have got a, a threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 
So this 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 deck seems really strong, uh, and then you can do like Academy's Awakening, and and you know, you've just got straight Thoughtseize as well. So you just kind of strip people's hands, uh, and then I, like it's Fury got Blood just Moon. ends Ooh. games really fast. Yeah. Yes, Blood Moon and and Liliana as well. So yeah, yeah. seems really strong. Uh, I I'm really one of the things that really jumps out at me, Cracker, is is the lands. What what's one of the four of lands that it's got there? Uh, Bloodstained Mire. Is, is uh, oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Not black, not black cliff cliffs. Yeah. Yeah. Black yeah, cleave okay. cliffs. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I just yeah. like hearing you say it. Yeah. Um, I've got a deck that you probably won't see, but gee, it's cool, and I really want to talk about it just for a minute. Uh, you know, th- there's a combo deck that you know might be might be interesting to you, Shorty, given what you've been playing in Explorer. Uh, do you guys know what Archon of Cruelty does? A lot. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, two black and six for a 6-6 six, six flyer. When it enters a battlefield or attacks, target opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker, discards a card and loses three life. You draw a card and gain three life. So you're doing some things like playing hard evidence uh, to put a, a you know an O3 crab and a clue into play. And... Just play indomitable creativity to put your uh, Arkan into play on like turn three. And uh, yeah, like turn three, giant Arkan, let's go. Like um, I'm excited by that. That's similar to what I've been doing in Explorer uh, with Titan of Industry. You've been doing it with the uh, the artifact creature. Gear-Hulk. Yeah, the Gear Hulk. Uh, yep. it's, it's, it's sweet. You know, is it good? Don't know. Is it cool? Uh, heck yes. So, uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, this, this just jumped out at me as, as, yeah, a deck that was, is really, really, uh, fun and exciting looking. So, yeah, I did uh, consider this for my choice for the weekend, but I thought, oh, I, I, I know I've been playing similar on, uh, on Arena, but, uh, yeah, couldn't, couldn't pull the trigger on it. You can, you, so the Arkans not legendary. You can copy it with Fable of the Mirror Breaker, sure. Oh, yeah, I know. I, yeah. do, I do that all the time with my gear hulks. Yeah, you can also bring it back from your graveyard with persist. Yeah, exactly. Nice. <laughs> and then oh, it's so good. Uh, so yeah. yeah, just super excited by this deck. It looks really, really fun. Um, yep. uh, is it the right choice for you know an event like this? Maybe not, but uh, gee, you'll have a blast playing it. Yep. All right. So there's a ton more decks. You know, you've got control decks, Azorius control, there's mill, Jeskai control. Like, there's there's just a ton of decks, and then there's a bunch of combo uh, decks and whatever. There's there's so many different things in uh, in modern, as we mentioned before. So, Chewy, what you're playing on the weekend, Cracker, you're not, but we might get your opinion on what you would play. But Chewy, what are you playing on the weekend? So i I fall into that category of the pet deck modern player. Uh, I've got a lot of you know, positive history with Eldrazi Tron. And I think that given what I expect to see in the metagame, uh, the tools are available to uh, to keep up with the, the format and to adjust. So I'm, I'm going to run that back. The last two PTQ type events that I've, uh, I've taken, uh, Etron 2, I've I've top aided, uh, so you know I've got some confidence with the deck. You know I'm not calling it saying I'm gonna top eight this one, but you know I know I can pilot the deck, uh, and I've made some tweaks uh, with some of the uh, some of the format uh, considerations in mind. So uh, I have there's always had some flex slots. I'm still kind of figuring out my uh, my removal 
uh, flex slots, whether I want the, gosh, mental blank cracker. What's the one that counts as a sorcery or exiles a... Warping whale? Warping whale, yes. yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that's pretty good to count a living end and, and things like that. Uh, you know, whether I want that over, you know, an extra copy of uh, Dismember or, or the like. Uh the the lands you've always got a lot of you know obviously this tron but you've always got a lot of value out of your lands it's one of the things that make the deck really really strong and urza saga uh is a great pickup for the deck and it allows you to play uh things to you know main deck some things that uh a bit of silver bullets or or maybe not silver bullets but turn the tide uh in some matchups so uh, I've got a Relic of Progenitus and a uh, Shadow Spear in the main that I can search up. So against the burn decks, I can, you know, chuck that onto my, you know, my Matter Reshaper or my Thought Not Seer and, and attack with a lifelinky trampoly thing. Uh, and the, yeah, the main deck Graveyard Hate. There's a lot of decks that use the Graveyard. So, you know, having the ability to search one up in game one is super powerful. Uh, so I... Yeah, definitely looking uh, to to play that. Uh, it's a deck I'm confident with, I'm comfortable with, and it, it's got the the tools to uh, to keep up with those sorts of other decks. And sometimes just you can just Khan people out. You know, you 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 play Khan. You you've got this sideboard full of uh, you know excellent excellent cards for specific matchups. And sometimes Khan's just good on his own. It's just you can shut off whole decks. So. Uh, that's what I'm going to run. Uh, I've been been tweaking it. A few more tweaks to make tomorrow, uh, I think, to to land on some of the the final pieces. You know, do I want to scavenger grounds? Do I, you know, what's my removal look like? Um, what's my 14th and 15th sideboard card? Uh, but you know, the core of the deck is fundamentally the same. The uh, you look at all of the decks we've talked about. Chalice of the Void is a very good magic card there's a lot of zero and one mana spells running around in modern and uh chalice is you know just like we were saying like burn is a uh a deck that you know you need to be prepared for and you need to have graveyard hate and all the rest of it if you're playing a deck that's really low to the ground have some sort of a plan for chalice of the void because yeah it can just lock you out and you look at the burn deck you know there are a you know it turns off half of the spells in the deck so all of a sudden you know between drawing lands and drawing dead cards it, it makes it very hard to force through those last points of damage so e-tron for me what about you shorty uh well i'm also playing tron just uh not not e-tron so uh fair bit of crossover in the cards between your deck and my deck but uh, at yeah, least I'm 12 playing... lands yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and a whole bunch of other cards uh i'm playing yeah mono green tron and and i when I was sort of figuring out what I was going to play, I knew I was going to be away for most of the time. I knew I wasn't going to get get a chance to test. I wasn't going to be able to play when you guys played last week. And uh, I knew also that Chris already had Tron put together and so it just needed a little bit of updating. So I thought that's going to be the quickest and easiest and it's a deck that I've played a fair bit of in the past and it hasn't changed a ton uh, over the time. And it, it, it has, it's a deck that has its plan that it plays to and it's not that easy to disrupt what you're doing and what you're doing is super powerful you know you, your deck is just built around getting tron online getting your mine your power plant your tower and then ideally having that on turn three and casting Khan liberated and exiling 
one of your opponent's lands and then taking over the game from there. You know, Ugin goes really well. Um, you know, you've got all the mogs and worm coil engines and emeralds and, and all that sort of stuff. So you're doing very powerful stuff and it's it's not that easy to disrupt. You know, Blood Moon can be annoying, but you can deal with it. Uh, you know, you've got, got answers for that sort of thing. And the the big change in this list, which I haven't played, and I actually I don't think I've even cast this card, but Khan the Great Creator, which is in your list, Chewy, and you you know, you were just talking about your whole sideboard. The Tron the Green Tron lists now are playing four of Khan the Great Creator. So I've got the full sideboard package like you do as well, Chewy, but I've I've got three nature's claims in my sideboard for those pesky blood moons. And uh yeah, a whole bunch of the main, so you can just go find uh, them. One Besaidu, yeah. So you can search up your Besaidu with your Sylvan Scryings. Or your maps. Uh, or Ancient <coughs> Stirrings, yeah, and maps, that sort of thing. Uh, and you are playing three basic forests, so you know you do have access to, to green mana and you can fix your mana with your spheres and stars and, and that sort of thing as well. So Have you got the liquid metal coating shenanigans? Yeah, liquid metal coating yeah, nice. in, in the yep. sideboard, yep. So, yeah, Blood Moon, people always think play a Blood Moon against Tron and it's just game over. And it's really not. Like, Tron doesn't care that much about Blood Moon. There's there's just a lot of answers in the uh, in the deck, not not only in the sideboard but also in the main. And then, yeah, having access to Khan the Great Creator to go and get you answers from side, your sideboard is also very good. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm running. Should be good. Uh, I'm going to literally have zero reps with this deck. I'm not even going to have the deck in my hands until we get there on Saturday. <laughs> so... <laughs> What could possibly go wrong? Well, yeah, what could go wrong? Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll be fine. Uh, Cracker, what would you be playing if you again? Would you be running Merktide? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it, like, I like Living End as well, but I think Merktide just has just a bit more diversity and a bit more agency in in what it's trying to do, uh, and I think that that's just a really good spot to be. So, yeah, that that would be my choice. Uh, I think that. You know, I'd probably punt a whole lot of games away, but I mean, that's going to happen whatever <laughs> I do. So, yeah, I think my only thought about modern kind of as a whole is you can't just goldfish and know that you're good. Like we talked no. about right at the start where it used to be two ships in the night and it was if I knew my deck inside out, then I could kind of just do that thing. Whereas now, like you need to goldfish, you need to understand like... What are my draws at? What resources can I work from at a minimum? Like, you know, what what do my engines look like? All that kind of stuff. But format knowledge has always been really important in modern and it feels like way more important now knowing like what can my opponent go off from? Like what's the critical turn against this deck? And I think that that's where people's real strength is. You know, like if you know what you're doing and what other people are doing, that's like the most important thing. But Everyone is interacting so much now, so it's re- it's really hard to goldfish and go. Ah, oh, this is the turn where I would cast this. Like everything is, it, it changes so fast. Like the turns are all so compressed in terms of the decision points and what you have to do. So if you have the opportunity to play against people, test, do that sort of stuff. Like even if it's not perfect testing because your your mate has never played the deck before, like we were doing on Saturday. At least it gives me some reps around knowing. Okay. If Omneth comes down, what happens? If this happens, like, you know, what do I do? Like, how do you react to that? And it kind of gives you some idea. It's good to go through those mental exercises and think about, you know, actual scenarios rather than just drawing cards and putting them out and going, hey, I won on this turn. It's like, think about how your opponent will interact and try and play with a plan. But 
Yeah, that would be. I smell an evergreen episode on goldfishing and getting to know a dick. Sure. From what what you're talking about there, Cracker, because I I I'm I'm realizing how long we've been talking, and I want to launch into a whole bunch of uh, <laughs> thoughts and ideas that I've got. Because I yeah, you're right, uh, and I uh, yeah, that's definitely something that I I do, and I would recommend everybody do. So that might be some something for a future episode there. I think for yep. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because we've already gone well over time, so we'll save that one for another time. Put it in the memory. Well, just saying, when Cracker and I were hosting, we kept the time. (laughs) You didn't have enough content. Yeah, (laughs) true. (laughs) I had I had Pat, so we filled the time pretty well. Yeah, loves the chat (laughs) between Pat and myself. Yeah. All right, stop. (laughs) Okay, no worries. All right, so last thing to mention, just quickly on the way out the door, our group stage of our Explorer League did conclude this week, and now we've got our finals. So we've got 16 players that have qualified into a double elimination finals. They're playing the early stages of that through this week or the next week. Right now. Discord right now. Matches matches happening right now. And, uh, yeah, they'll be – we'll be getting – whittling it down to eight players and then we'll be doing the live stream for the top eight on Saturday the 27th of August starting around 11 a.m. Melbourne time. So just quickly, the the players that made it through, so Penchair, Plunksy, Masonitas, Mr. Pogan Space, The Sweet Man, Map, Hammer Eye, Insanity – Atex Walker, Autolycus, Benny R, Hamburger, Mr. M, P. Jaw, Tanker, and J Mud back in the uh, in the top eight, uh, into top the thick of it, into finals. Yeah, a uh, couple of new players to finals. So I think, well, Insanity is new to our events. Atex Walker, I think, is new to finals, and a Tanker. I don't think Tanker's made it into any of our finals before. So, uh, but yeah, some very familiar faces. People like Penchair, who I believe is sitting on the top of the ladder now. I think they've overtaken Sarah Soldiers from the uh, the top of the ladder. So um, yeah, some some very very good players, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we've already had a, quite a few matches played. I don't think. Oh, and actually, Mr. M. I just looked. J Mud has knocked out Mr. M in the lower bracket. So we have out our first player knocked out. So. Should be a lot of fun. Make sure you've got that in your diary to tune in and watch. Saturday the 27th, we'll be in person doing the usual coverage that we do, and it should be a lot of fun because I've been really enjoying Explorer. And, uh, yeah, there'll be giveaways and all that sort of stuff as per normal, so keep an eye out for that. That's going to do us for this week, the usual wrap-up. If you want to get in on things like our Explorer League, and we'll have a one-day event coming up in the next few weeks and then one more league for the year. So if you want to get in on that, the best place to be is in our Discord. There's a link in the show notes for that. It's an awesome community in there with lots of cool people. There's links in the show notes for our merch store and Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. So just go and check those out. We've told you about those before. Go and check them out. Grab some merch, some Magic Bean stuff, or some bargains on some Magic Cards. Uh, you can go to our website, magicbeanscast.com, where you'll find links for all of our social things because we're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. Pretty much all those places you can find us at Magic Beans or Magic Beans Cast. And that'll get you there. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at PSync. Chewy, you are? At Chewy MTG. And Cracker? At Joel Hill underscore. Very good. So that's it for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Stay safe out there, and we will see you all next time. 